Thank you for coming to today's Life Coach Pod show. We are starting a new week of sheltering in place. I can't tell you how excited I am about that, especially as I'm starting to do the math and realizing it might be June 1st before we really are allowed to go back outside in any meaningful way. So with that in mind, after I've had my morning sadness, I've also lost a dear friend overnight, not to the virus, ironically enough, but to other complications from an illness. So it's been a, a bit of a rough morning, but um, my heart goes out to her and her family and everyone involved, and we will move on. So today, I have a couple interesting uh, current events to share, and then I want to dive into something unusual, but I want to talk about money, and I think it's a really good time to talk about money. So let me first start with the two time capsule moments. So yes, it's Monday, March 30th, one more day left in this month, and uh, as far as the news goes, everybody knows what the big headlines are, but the things that I noticed in the news that I wanted to bring your attention to both have to do with being aware and being conscious, conscious which is so interesting to me because it's, it's in two areas that I don't think we think about very much in terms of being conscious of things. But the first has to do with people who are on assistance when it comes to getting fed. People who have, in California, I believe, or federal, I think, is the SNAP program. Then every state has a program. There's SSI, there's SSDI, and, and WIC. All of these folks can only buy certain kinds of groceries at the store. They have special labels. And if, they're, if we run out, they aren't able to get, they aren't able to purchase things with their food stamps or their food allowance basically what it is is a food allowance so what some folks are doing on twitter is making us all aware especially at the beginning of the month although the dates may vary that if you're not having a food emergency meaning you don't need groceries right away if you can wait try to defer your shopping till after the first or the second of the month and then that what that does is it allows the foods that are uh, food stamp eligible and uh, allowance eligible to be purchased by the people who need them. And in this case, there's a very good chance that the people who need them honestly desperately need them as we've seen jobs cut and other uh, ways to make money have been cut. So I want to first raise your consciousness when it comes to shopping. Again, if you don't need it right now, maybe wait if you can. That's absolutely uh, your decision, all I'm asking for is consciousness of making your choices and when you make them. The other interesting story, and I'm surprised it's actually taken this long to happen, is that there is a nationwide sick out that's going to happen tomorrow at Whole Foods. And it really, I think, should be happening at many of the Amazon facilities because they are not being provided with enough protection from the virus while they're working. In fact, they're being held to the same work standards that were they were held to prior to the virus, which from everything I've understood is pretty grueling to begin with. Uh, Amazon is not known for its kindness towards its employees in terms of schedules and bathroom breaks and all kinds of other things that to me sound insane. So the next level of consciousness or what I'm uh, is about choosing your vendors wisely. I've purposely tried very hard not to use Amazon during this time. Not because I don't want to support Amazon workers, but because I want to support the businesses that are close to me and the workers that are here in my community. And, so, and shipping something across the country or even from big distribution centers a couple states away doesn't make a lot of sense to me right now. So I'm not saying don't go to Amazon. I'm not saying don't go to Whole Foods. Just 
I'm saying be aware of the decisions you're making. And if you can source some of these things locally, source them locally. And that will, that will ease up on the pressure put on some of these employees that are working in untenable situations. And absolutely, I think everybody working at a grocery store or in any kind of contact job should have some sort of mask. And they're talking about even the 100% cotton masks. So um, Google this, but making a 100% cotton mask, doubling up like an old t-shirt, doubling it up and making a mask out of that will help, will make a difference. So there's stuff you can Google on that and I'll let you go do that. But my point is consciousness in your shopping choices could make a big difference right now to your community and the people that we all live with. All right, coming up tomorrow, just want to, to tease this a little bit, is Dr. Tom Mason, who I happened to go to college with at UC Davis, who then became an amazing distinguished veterinarian in San Francisco. Anybody from San Francisco might remember him, maybe has, uh, have he was in their, your vet. He worked in the Fillmore at Pets Unlimited. He also worked at the San Francisco SPCA. Ah, he's a really good guy, just a great guy, and he's agreed to come on the show tomorrow and talk about pets during this time. Simple things to look out for, like even how we're using chemicals and what this and that effect, what that effect could have on our pets. So I encourage you to tune in tomorrow or at least listen to tomorrow's show. And then I'm hoping, I haven't confirmed yet, but I'm hoping I have some April Fool's mischief planned for Wednesday. And then on Thursday, Charlotte Smith, who was a lawyer, her parents still lament this, she quit lawyering and she's now helping people stop living in the fast lane and stop making all these sacrifices for their career and really design a life that they want to have. So she's going to talk about this being a good time to use life design to plan out where we will go as we look into this unknown future. So she'll be here on Thursday. I'm working on a very cool guest that I hope I get for Friday, which will be a crossover guest that is somebody who will be interesting for this show and for the lawyer's daughter crime a true crime podcast that I do about my personal experiences. Cross our fingers, I get her for Friday. With that, let's dive in to money. And I'm going to actually stop sharing because I want, I've put together, I think, a bunch of really good resources um, for you, which I will then publish in a blog that's a companion piece. Every time we do a um, show, I'm publishing a blog that is the, that showcases the show and then provides the resources and links to things that we talked about during the show. Today, I want to talk about money because, well, I used to do a lot of writing for a company called Financial Engines. That was a retirement firm that did plan administration for big companies, but then they had a consumer side where they were helping consumers understand what to do with their money, how to invest, how to save, of course, always put money away in your 401k. And I have always enjoyed money. It's never been anything that's particularly frightened me. I've been really lucky because I've been able to earn money in my career. You know, I've just been that kind of person that's worked hard and been able to make money. So the first time I bought my first place, my first place to live was a condo and I bought it really crazily. A man died in the condo. Well, I don't know why that part of the story is relevant, but Okay, Mahaley died in the condo and his wife stayed there, but they were not U.S. citizens. So what I ended up doing was in exchange for a loan that I made to his wife, this is literally how we structured it. I loaned his wife some money. I think it was like $5,000. And I agreed to pay the, get the condo out of arrears tax-wise and mortgage-wise. I would take over title to the house. 
So I did that. She then defaulted on the loan, big air quotes there. She defaulted on the loan and I got to take over the payments. And for something like eight years, I did not qualify for a mortgage. I just paid their mortgage. And essentially after a few checks, if you, if you look into contract law, there's something called an implied contract. And after a while, if the bank is accepting your checks as payment on a loan, then you, the implied, implied contract is that you own that loan. I never tried to do that because I thought, eh, I don't want to fight that battle. Instead, I just waited till I was finally able to refinance the condo. And that, thank God, worked out. And that's where my mom lives today is in a condo. And I was able to then, um, actually a bit later, I was able to then buy my first home home. So the condo was my first home, but my first house, like with four walls and nobody attached to it, um, right before I tried starting to get pregnant with Katie. So I have those two properties. And then I think a lot of folks know just recently, I invested in this place in Sacramento where my daughter's living now, because I knew I was going to probably be spending some time up here, actually quite a bit of time up here for one or two trials that preliminary hearing for D'Angelo and then the trial eventually. So I felt like it was a better use of our money than to help Katie pay her rent to actually invest. So I felt comfortable with money. I've absolutely taken risks. Oh my God, I'm so in over my head right now because jobs have dried up and my gig working is really low, but I hold out hope. And because of that, I'm able to look at other ways to manage money in a way that I hope will, um, I hope what I put together will help you. And if you don't have a lot of investments and you don't, and you're not rich right now, or you don't feel rich, you feel very poor, please still listen because these ideas could potentially help your parents, could give you ideas about how to move forward and what you, where you choose to spend your money and hopefully start to teach you some things about money. And with that, I'll give you the caveat that I am not an investment professional. I'm just just Jen, uh, the Jen Carroll method. And so that's what I'm essentially sharing here. And I hope it's helpful. So here's the general financial health check. And then at the very end, I'm going to dig into 401ks a little bit more because there are some laws that have changed based on the CARES Act that's gone into effect. That's the big piece of legislation that passed last week. That is doing some really good things to our 401ks for all of you out there who are like, uh, I don't know how I'm going to get this done. How am I going to pay a mortgage and pay for groceries and pay for car insurance still for a car I don't even drive? Yeah, I'm looking out at my car. It's just sitting there. I'm really thinking about car insurance, but I know I need to have it. But boy, does that feel like a nuisance right now. Okay, so let's dive in. The top 10 things based on the Jen Carroll School of Financial Management. The first thing is I have, I will put in the blog, there is a money personality quiz that I wrote for Financial Engines in 2015. It is fun, it is interesting, but most importantly, and the reason I wanted to do it for them, and I'm gonna provide the link in the blog, is that it allows you to look at how you, your money philosophy, and then ideally understand the money philosophy of the person that you have to share money with. So it might be your partner, it could be your mom, it could be your parents or your children, however that works for you, whoever is involved with money and you, this person, money personality quiz can reveal what their bias is and how it is that they think about money. And the reason that's important is that negotiating money often ends up being uh, crazy making. When you start talking about, my mom will talk to me all day long about how much a price of, a price of a dozen eggs costs. I mean, like, yeah. That's what, that's what my mom will do. 
And for me, I'm like, nah, my value is not around the price of the eggs. My value is around cage-free, um, very fresh. Like I'd prefer to buy them from a neighbor if I could, from somebody with chickens. I used to have chickens. I love ch fresh chicken eggs. So those two points of view, how you look at money. My mom comes out of an era where money was scarce. <laughs> Guess what? Punishing me, I'm now in that era. But when you understand what that value is of the person you work with and your value is, it's easier than to come to some sort of middle to negotiate. So number one, take the money personality quiz and have your money partner take it with you. Link is in the blog. It will be up uh, just after this is recorded. Next, focus on housing. So you're gonna need this now, you're gonna need this later. Housing is everything. And I have provided a link in this blog that'll explain some of the help that's out there to uh, help you make mortgage and help you make rent. It's not perfect. It's actually super imperfect, but you need to make sure that housing is your top priority. That said, for myself, I have a roommate in Santa Cruz right now that's taking care of my house and providing me with rent. So it's offsetting some of the costs, plus I know my home is safe, plus when the tree fell down yesterday, uh, she was there to deal with it and work with the neighbor to, to figure out what the heck we're gonna do next. Don't worry, no big damage, but it's pretty funny that the tree just fell down because it drank too much water and got too heavy. So protect your housing as much as your first, first most important concern. It is hard to evict someone, know that is true, and especially there are some uh, there are some states that are putting things in place that will prevent eviction during this time. Right now, it doesn't look like the length of that time is long enough based on the situation. I suspect those uh, will be extended. I hope they will. And also, there are help. There's help out there with people with mortgages. So just I want you to put housing first. You're going to need that, but don't don't stop to think about whether you could shelter, um, provide a room to someone, shelter an elderly person. We're all in this together, so focus on housing. Number two is to evaluate your debt. Ah, oh, this was my weekend adventure, and it's a really important one for everyone to do. Figure out all the places where you owe money, and then figure out how to triage that. So I don't have a great link for you on this one because this really is a personal decision. What I will tell you is that some places are more forgiving than others, meaning, I know sometimes when it comes to paying off a hospital bill, they're very unlikely to report you to a credit bureau. You can call and ask them. It's a very fair question. That kind of bill can usually be worked out and pushed down to a very low minimum payment versus, let's say, a department store credit card, which is a horrendous credit score wrecker. If you fail to make a payment on a department store credit card, and I'm talking about um, Macy's or, well, I'm not calling out Macy's specifically. That's what I mean by a department store though. Um, Got shocks. Those are California stores. What are some in the Midwest and the East Coast? Whatever, an independent department store tends to have pretty aggressive credit practices and they'll report you. I do not know how it goes by each store. Again, call and check, but this is why I want you to prioritize and evaluate your debt. I personally think making your mortgage and rent payments, mortgage in particular, are incredibly important because that will help you stabilize your credit score over the long haul. And you'll want that because I suspect many of us will try to refinance once this is over just to get these low, low interest rates and be able to hang on to our homes. So that's if you're a homeowner. Okay, 
Number four is incredibly important. Do your taxes. This is so much about me as well as you because I am behind two years, meaning 2018 and 2019. Here's why it's important. The new CARES law or CARES legislation, C-A-R-E-S is what I'm saying, is based on you filing your 2019 taxes. Now, interestingly, the tax deadline for this year has been extended to July. Check your local state uh, extensions in California that it's also extended to July. I've put a link in the blog so you can check your state to see if that's been extended. That's nice, that's good, but that happened on the, on the right hand while the left hand was saying, you gotta file your taxes for you to get that payment. That's the one-time payment coming from the Fed. So if you don't have your 2019 taxes done, they're gonna go back to your 2018 taxes. Of course, the irony for me is that I don't have those done either. So I'll be going home to get all my bookkeeping this weekend. But it's very important that you do those taxes. That is how you're going to get paid. All right, number five is to determine your approach to cash. So cash, I'm gonna use cash like you might think it means dollars those filthy things that spread coronavirus, but I mean the cash that you can tap to pay bills, the money that you have on hand. The reason I want you to figure out what your approach is, is that I believe, and this is my approach, is that it is important to hang on to cash right now. So choosing where you wanna spend your cash, the money that you have available to you, needs to be thoughtful and strategic. Um, some people might wanna tap their retirement accounts I'm gonna talk more at the end of this uh, broadcast about that because I found a great article from a man I used to work with that explains what's going on with our IRAs and 401ks. That might be an option, but if you're gonna do that to pay off debt, I put a link in the blog today about some things to consider. It depends what you wanna pay off and how that'll impact you. Some high, high paying credit cards might be worth paying off based on these new 401k rules, but you're gonna to need to carefully consider that decision because you've got to promise not to accrue more debt after you pay that off. That's the secret. Cutting up the cards and closing the account is the only way that makes sense if you're going to give from Peter what you took from Paul. All right. By the way, Google that. I don't even know where that expression came from, but my college roommate says that all the time. Here's a big one that you have made, you may have been ignoring, and it impacts nearly all of us these days. Evaluate your subscriptions and your memberships. These are those things that we've now gotten used to signing up for because it's all just a click and $12 a month or $3 a month or $1 a month. And suddenly we don't realize that there is this siphon going on of memberships and subscriptions we've signed up for that we don't even remember anymore. It is so easy to sign up. And sometimes they're signed up in the first month's free and you don't realize now they're billing you now. Go look at those. My credit card has this great feature where it lets me look at recurring fees, meaning those things I'm paying every month. But you can do it old school. Pull up a couple months of your credit card report, pull out your bank statements. I know it sucks, but what else are you doing, honestly? Go get those tools and take a serious look at that. Your challenge is to do it this week and then figure out which ones you need to keep and which ones you can turn off. I didn't realize, but I've got a I've got a link in my um, blog to this one that a lot of clubs right now, gyms are like Planet Fitness, I think is one of them, are they're just automatically suspending dues until they're able to reopen. 
I don't know if my gym's doing that, but I'm not able to get in the pool. I'm not even in the same town right now. So I'm going to call my club today and find out if I can just suspend my membership. That's just one thing, but that's an outflow of cash. And I need to be careful of the cash that I'm spending right now. So that's your, that's your biggest job this week. Go evaluate subscriptions and memberships. Number seven, continue to contribute to your retirement accounts. So if you are still employed and if your employer matches, oh my God, do not stop contributing because you're afraid. This is a colossal mistake. They are giving you free money. Take the free money. Anytime you get a match, you need to move on that. There is no better, better way to make money faster than to take advantage of your employer match. Now, for those of you who don't have those, those things like an employer match, still consider if you're working to uh, still consider investing in your retirement if you're working. And here's why. That is a tax write-off for later in the year. And losing that is basically taking money away from yourself and giving it to the Fed and the state. Most importantly, the Fed. There is no reason right now for you to give them your money. None. Keep contributing to your retirement as a tax write-off if that's something you can absolutely afford to do. All right, that's my, boy, that was one of my big commercials because that one can make a huge difference in the long run. Number eight, for those of you in the market or have family in the market or go, maybe I thought I was going to be in the market, is a good time to buy? I don't know about that because I'm not here to provide investment advice, but I will tell you what the aggregated advice is across all financial investors right now. Leave your shit alone. And when I say shit, I mean stock. Leave those things. That's your, that's any of those mutual funds, any of those investments you have that are ultimately down the road in, in the market, invested in the market. So you might even not realize you're invested in the market, but if you invest in a mutual fund, you invested your 401k, you're invested in the market. And we all, the general advice is to leave it alone. I lost so much money in 2008 because I'm self-employed. I had been self-employed pretty much most of Katie's growing up. And I had put a lot into my um, self-employment pension plan. And then the freaking bottom fell out in 2008. I did switch investment advisors at that time because I believe the person I was working with had made some really bad decisions for me. And I love who I work with now, but we got that money back up and it was roaring until, of course, the market crashed again. So I want to tell you that if you can stand it, if you're at the right age and you have a tolerance for this risk, I recommend hanging tough. Again, I'm not an investment advisor, so you've got to do what you've got to do. But, but basically, the aggregated advice is let it ride. Number nine, this one's really interesting. Today, I was going to talk about this futures article that I had found, but I'm going to take one part of this futures article and apply it to number nine here, because I think this will help us know what to look for as we go forward. Again, if you're not into money and you haven't been paying attention to these things, this is a great time to learn because it's actually kind of fun and it can, you can make money. Not only that, but you could sound super smart. So there you go. The ninth thing is to watch the U.S. economy. So I spend time watching the economy and reading assessments from the future, but I found this one from Todd Tucker at the Roosevelt Institute, which is a little bit of a liberal-leaning think tank. It's based on the Roosevelt, so there you go. But I find this interesting because the advice in his, um, in his column, and I'm going to read it here in a second. It's not a very long thing. 
but he and another woman both have this advice that would sound like it might be coming from a conservative. And so I think this is important because I suspect this is where we're going to see the jobs rise in this sector as I talk about the U.S. economy. And I think it will also be a place to look for investments as you move forward. So if you talk to your financial planner, you can talk about this topic and you can go educate yourself and read more about it. I've got, of course, as usual, links on the blog. Here's what Mr. Tucker says. He predicts as we come out of the coronavirus, we're going to see stronger domestic supply chains. So it's not very long. Let me read this to you. In the ancient days of 2018, oh, he already, he already starts off with a little cynicism. I love that about him. But yes, there are blowers in Sacramento. There are so many blowers. I don't know if you can hear them, but I'm trying to ignore it. In the ancient days of 2018, the Trump administration was panned by exports experts for imposing tariffs on imported steel on a global basis for national security reasons. So you remember there was the whole tariffs on steel. As the president tweeted at the time, if you don't have steel, you don't have a country. But to most economists, China was the real reason for disruptions in the metal market and imposing tariffs additionally on U.S. allies was nonsensical. The argument went, after all, even if America lost its steel industry altogether, we would still be able to count on supplies from allies in North America and Europe. Now fast forward to 2020. Just this week, and this was written, I think, um, a couple weeks ago, but just this week, U.S. allies are considering substantial border restrictions, including shutting down ports and restricting exports. I didn't even realize we were restricting exports. Holy smokes. Um, that's the allies are considering res uh, restricting exports. While there's no indication that the coronavirus per se is being transmitted through commerce, one can imagine a perfect storm in which a deep recession plus mounting geopolitical tensions limit America's access to its normal supply chains and the lack of homegrown capacity in various product markets limits the government's ability to respond nimbly to threats. Okay, so that's a really complicated way of saying if we don't make it here, we might be in deep doo-doo. And I think we're seeing that happen right now with the mask situation and with the ventilator situation. We were not tooled to make these supplies. We depended heavily on China and Europe, from what I understand, for the ventilators. And now we're in distress. Not only did we send our materials to China, the irony is now China is trying to send stuff back to us. This is not, this is no way to survive. It's essentially what Mr. Tucker's um, advocating. He sees that our reliance on too many foreign imports and exports may put us at a real disadvantage should we have a situation like we have now. I don't think anybody can dispute that we are in a bit of trouble. Okay, so here's what he says. Reasonable people can differ over whether Trump's steel tariffs were the right response at the right time. In the years ahead, however, Expect to see more support from Democrats, Republicans, academics, and diplomats for the notion that government has a bigger role to play in creating adequate redundancy in supply chains, resilient even to trade shocks from allies. This will be a substantial reorientation from even the very past, recent past. Okay, that's the end of his piece, but what he's saying there is that we have got, we are going to see a time, he's predicting, let's put it this way, a time where we actually start to work together again, which just gets me so excited. But Republicans, Democrats, academics, um, diplomats, I notice he's not saying business people there, which is interesting. But 
everyone else is going to really figure out that we need to be less dependent on everyone else and a bit more self-reliant and dependent on ourselves. That's why it's worth watching the U.S. economy and where growth is happening. There's another economist that um, steps in, Demisa Moyo, and you'll, again, these are in my blog. You can look at these more carefully. And what this economist says is the coronavirus pandemic will create more pressure on corporations to weigh the efficiency and cost benefits of a globalized supply chain against the robustness of a domestic-based supply chain. Here we go. Now we're talking because if you think about it, a lot of the crap we buy, we buy from China, we buy from other places. American companies send this stuff out to get done at very low, some could argue criminal, labor costs so that we can have tchotchkes. And I don't even have any right in front of me of a real tchotchke, but there is crap we buy all the time that honestly, do we really need it? Did we need it that cheap? Is it really that important? Uh, dollar stores are a good testament to this. There's a lot of junk in there that none of us need. It's basically a long walk to the landfill. So what we're saying here is that we need to focus then on the robustness of a domestic-based supply chain. It may mean some prices increase, but it also may mean we get rid of some of the crap that we don't need. Switching to a more robust domestic supply chain would reduce dependence on an increasingly fractured global supply system. But while this would better ensure that people get the goods they need, this shift would also likely increase costs to corporations and consumers. So just what I said, it's likely to increase the costs, but you should be buying less crap. It's interesting what will all come out of this with, how we've changed our point of view about what we really need and what's important to us. But I suspect uh, less crap is going to be one of the things. All right, so let's roll on up to number 10. Uh, this is where I started the show, and then I'm going to talk a little bit about 401ks. But the 10th tip is to buy with intention. So really pay attention to whom you're shopping, I'm sorry, where you're shopping, and whom it serves in the long run. Think through the whole supply chain as you buy. Right now, buying strawberries from South America, I don't even know if we could still do that, but we used to do that a lot in California before the strawberry season hits here. We need to eat more fruits and vegetables that are matching the growth patterns of our climate. So that's actually going to be good for the planet, right? We don't need to buy junk just because it's manufactured overseas. It comes back here. It ends up as plastic in our oceans. We need to think about buying things that are reusable. I don't know about you guys, but I'm washing a lot more dishes these days, and I'm certainly cooking at home a lot more. And honestly, I got to say, I feel a little better for it, um, just physically better as I cook my own meals. So buy with intention, look at your supply chain, and really be aware of where you're spending your money. You have a lot of power with your money. It's limited supply right now, so make good choices. All right. Finally, I will conclude with a little look at what's going on with the CARES Act and our 401ks, because it's actually great news. As I mentioned, I used to work with Financial Engines. I was their blog writer there, and I did a lot of turning the complicated stuff into plain English, which is probably going to be the bulk of the show going forward, is I just try to take the stuff that's complicated and make it understandable. Jeff Shelty was one of the um, vice presidents there. He's great. He's meticulous probably a little bit of a mad scientist, uh, but he is now the CEO of a company called For Us All. These are the people, they help, For Us All helps uh, companies, businesses, and it looks like they might be mid-market in this case and not uh, high-end enterprises, 
but they help companies map out their 401k plans. And so they work with plan administrators. He wrote this blog for plan administrators, but this is classic. This would be the classic kind of thing that I would take from him and turn into a consumer blog, which I will be doing as soon as I wrap this up and um, make sure that this information is available for you. You will want to absolutely pursue it. And I'm going to tell you how this is affecting the plan administrators, which are the people who manage your 401k, so you know the questions to ask. But here's the good news. When Congress passed the CARES Act, there was something in there that for the economic stimulus that allowed more flexibility for us to use our 401k to help us deal with financial hardships. So it's extremely unusual, and he says it here, and I'm gonna keep it in um, my rewriting of his article. We, we, being people that care about retirement plans, don't often advocate using that money. There's a couple reasons to be leery of doing it today. One is, first of all, your savings have taken a massive hit. So any money you take out of your 401k or your IRA is money that you won't be reinvesting or watching grow back up in your, as the stock market recovers, however long that'll take, let's say three to five years. Catch your breath. I know that sounds like a long time, but it's actually not, but it sounds like a long time. So if you take capital out of your 401k or IRA, you're reducing your chances of increasing that money over time. That said, and I'm certainly in this boat, some of us are gonna to need to tap some cash because it's more important to protect our homes. It's more important to have money for groceries. It's more important to have car insurance. Whatever those decisions are, you're gonna to have to think about it. So that's why these, um, these fle this flexibility is really important. All right, so who's eligible? Here, I'm gonna go through the options and I'm gonna tell you who's eligible. And then I'm gonna kill the lawnmower man. Sorry. <laughs> It just keeps going. All right, so who's eligible to tap their 401k or IRAs? People who have been diagnosed with the virus, COVID-19, you can always, uh, and, and who, and by a test approved, by a, t sorry, I'm laughing because it's so ironic. You have to have been diagnosed with the virus by a test approved by the CDC. Um, or you have a spouse or a dependent who's been diagnosed. Okay, throw that one out because who's getting a test? All five of you out there who've been able to get a test, congratulations, you can qualify for this option. But now that we know that's stupid, let's go on to the second way you can qualify. Thank God for the second way. And I don't know who argued for this, but I love them. If you've experienced adverse financial consequences as a result of being quarantined, being furloughed or laid off, or having work hours reduced due to the virus or disease, or you're unable to work due to lack of childcare, or uh, as it plate changed to the virus, or your business has closed or reduced hours by an individual business owned or operated, and the individual is due to a virus, um, that basically, honest to God, basically almost any way you could imagine, if you're screwed because of this virus, you have a backdoor into this plan. That is the very, very good news. And it's so nice, it's such convoluted, stupid uh, legislative language, but the point is the virus has inconvenienced you in any way such that you are in financial straits, we've got something for you. Here's what it, here's what it does. You have two new ways that you can use your 401k to deal with the impacts of the virus. 
One has to do with the distribution option, meaning you actually just get a check. Another has to do with taking out a loan. I'm gonna give you the caveat on loans. Loans are typically due back to the plan upon your severing your relationship with your employer. So a lot of people think it's really smart to use their 401k loan to do something, a home improvement or whatever. It's not smart because you're thinking, oh, I'll pay myself back the interest. This will be great. Nope, that's not what happens. What happens is you lose your job or in a good economy, you change jobs and that loan is due immediately. And if you don't pay it back, there's a penalty. So generally loans are not the thing you want to do. But let's talk about what's happening here. You can take eligible participants. Okay, so we just talked about eligibility. If you COVID anything, some excuse that you can make up for why you're financially strained right now based on the coronavirus, you can take a distribution by the end, by the end of this year for up to $100,000 or your full plan balance, whichever is less. So I don't want you to go take it all out if you can avoid it. I really don't. But if you have to, you have to. And that's a distribution. That's a one-time payment. The reason this is important is that it will waive the 10% penalty. So if you had taken out that $100,000 to remodel your house and then got fired, you would owe $10,000 to the government. That's not even for taxes. That's a penalty. That's just money you're giving them because you made a bad decision. So now you can take this money out without the 10% penalty. Here's the deal. You're still going to get taxed on it, but the taxes are going to be spread across three years going forward. So that's actually pretty damn awesome if you think about it, especially if you're not earning much now, your tax rate is much lower. It may be lower going forward. Or you could pay the taxes off sooner. You can work with your tax accountant on that. If your tax rate starts to go up, God forbid we all have our tax rates go up soon because we're making money. That would be great. But this is really, really a great way to get your hands on some cash if you're desperate. Uh, participants can redeposit re the funds back into the plan over the next three years. And if you do that, so if you pay yourself back instead, you can uh, avoid paying taxes and receive a tax refund for the taxes already paid. So you actually have three years that you could pay it back. So maybe you just need to borrow $20,000 right now. That'll get you through the rest of this year. You can't hit it up again next year. They may pass a different law about that later. But 20000 might be all you need to borrow against yourself, and you have three years to pay yourself back. That's a win-win in my book. So that's a distribution. The other thing you can do is take out a loan against your 401k. Here's the deal. This, you, you, the payments are deferred for the first year, and the loan has to be taken within the next 180 days. And if you already have an outstanding loan, so you've already done this, you, well, you can defer those payments till January of 2021 and interest will still accrue. Loans are never clean. So I, I want you to look at this online. I'm going to put it up in the blog so you can take a closer look. And then what you're going to need to do, and I'm going to tell you this in a minute, you're going to need to talk to your plan administrator because this is really important. The person, the, the, group that manages your 401k or your IRA. In that case, if IRA is typically managed by a financial institution, like a bank, um, some and some uh, Ameritrade, some of those guys have IRAs too. So it's usually a financial institution. They're, gonna, they're all getting caught up on this right now. This just happened. So they're just now getting caught up. Finally, the, the, a lot of folks have a mandatory distribution 
for their, if they're older, they have to take money out of their savings. But in fact, they're also creating a way that you don't have to tap it right now if you're worried about recovery from the stock market fall. Mom, this one's for you. Uh, you don't want to lose that capital that you have already in your plan and you don't need it to live on right now, then leave it alone. You don't have to take a distribution. There is a distribution holiday. So here's what you're going to need to talk about with your plan advisors. I'm going to wrap this up in just a second because I know I've gone long. But when you contact your plan advisor, they're just getting the wheels going. And you know those are big wheels. They've got to grind forward. But what you want to ask is if they've put these uh, new policies in place, and if not, when to expect them. So contact your plan. The plan has to be amended. They have to do uh, legal crap to it so they can make this happen. That's how a plan stands alone as its own document and its own set of rules. So they're going to have to amend these existing plans. So it is going to take a little bit of time for them to do that. And then they're supposed to notify employees. So look for that notification. I am not sure that will happen proactively for people with IRAs. And as I understand this, IRAs are considered part of this deal. But they function differently because they're from financial institutions. So just know that there might be a little hiccup there in the time and you may not get um, outbound communication about this. That's why I want you to know about it now so you can start asking. And then, interestingly, in this uh, blog, Jeff is asking the plan administrators and anybody who manages these kind of programs to really support self-certification. And self-certification was the second way you qualify. Remember, the first way is you had to have had a test that's approved by the CDC and you have to have tested positive for COVID. That's pretty much not going to happen. So unless you're, I want to say, extremely unlucky and my heart already goes out to you if that's what you're dealing with. Otherwise, you're going to need to say that the coronavirus has cost you because of XYZ, your ability to earn, you're in financial straits, and that is self-certification. And Jeff here is asking his followers, his clients, to support self-certification. You could meet some people that are being uh, difficult. So I want you to be prepared to fight. I think that's really reasonable. But there's no reason why you shouldn't be able to tap your 401k if you need to. Okay, so there we go. Lots of talking, lots of um, uh, background on what's going on here as it pertains to what's going on with the virus and, the, and your money. This one's a much better one to listen to than to watch, but uh, I'm curious. I have two people on the line today. Does anybody have any questions? Jen, it's Donna. I don't have a question, but um, thank you. It's all really good information. I'm glad you're doing all this work to do this because um, it's very, very, very helpful. I didn't know that about Whole Foods, so that's very interesting. Oh, good. Okay, great. Well, that's the intention. The intention is to put out the information that I think for a lot of us is complicated and uh, hard to follow. So yay! And I know my mom's not going to answer a question because she knows how badly um, some of the people who listen to me podcast want to meet her, but I'm going to get her on camera. It's going to happen. All right, tomorrow, Tom Mason, doctor of veterinary medicine. He's going to talk about animal care during quarantine. I hope that you'll join us tomorrow at 1. And I thank you very much for listening. Please rate, share, and uh, talk about this podcast. Spread the word. You can also watch it on YouTube. And I thank you very much for joining us today. <laughs>